Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireAct.com, is also brought to you by Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour. Welcome to Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireRack.com. I'm your host, Tony Simeone. Happy to have you back for another episode with head coach of Notre Dame men's basketball, Micah Shrewsbury. Haven't had a chance to talk to him in about three weeks, so we covered everything all the way back to Brooklyn, starting with the Legends Classic and that big win in overtime against Oklahoma State. A little bit later in the show, we talked to freshman guard Logan Imes, as well as new assistant coach Mike Farrelly. It was great to talk to both of them and how they've adjusted to both Notre Dame as well as life in South Bend. Finally, at the end of the show, we talked to Notre Dame great Bonzi Colson. Caught up with him about what he's been up to since leaving campus and also relived some of his great moments here in South Bend. So let's not waste any time. Let's talk to the head coach, Micah Shrewsbury. All right, Coach, here we go. Second episode of the year with men's hoops. You were away for the last couple. I talked to Niel with women's basketball, but I'm glad to have you back. Haven't talked really since. I bet that was way better than this one, by the way. Niel? No. Niel. Yes. no. No, no, no. You guys, you, guys you guys are all great. I, I have no favorites on this show, but um, I do love Niel. She's great. She's great. Um, haven't talked since the first two games of the year, and I wanted to just do a quick debrief on where things stand. You guys are coming back off of two, obviously, really difficult road games to go into those environments. We want to go all the way back to Brooklyn first. I thought really one of the most impressive moments of the year so far was the way you guys responded after that Auburn game, a tough loss really late at night, right? You guys probably got back to the hotel around midnight, had to play the next day, quick turnaround. And I think the word we talked about on the pregame show on radio was resolve to beat Oklahoma state. You beat them in overtime. Just what was your takeaway from that victory and the bounce back? Cause it felt like a really important moment for this young team. It was probably the first moment where we didn't have like a bunch of days to prepare for somebody, mm-hmm. and um, which for a young team could be hard, right? There could be adjustments that we have to make from one game to the next, and you know you don't have time to do it, so you really got to lean on your system and trust your system, and trust what you've been taught up until that point. And I, I felt like we we watch film from the day before and then we watch film of Oklahoma State Mm -hmm. and we really learned from that and I felt like we got better in that film in that film session leading into the game and it carried over in the game so you know that was the first opportunity to do it right you simulate those tournaments kind of simulate a a tournament format uh, when you you know when you want to be playing in March yeah you got to be able to do that, and uh, it was our first opportunity to do it, and I thought we handled it well. I thought you guys were, were great in overtime because I think you are down four at one point. It, that was just a game that felt like it at the end had a lot of chances to not go your way, and when a team finds a way to make sure it does, I think you learn a lot, especially a, a young group. The guy I wanted to talk about a little bit more in depth just on that weekend was JR. I mean, he's someone that's a local product, so guys around here have been really keyed in on, like, how's JR developing? developing? I think he averaged a double-double, like 14-and-a-half, 10-and-a-half. I think the way he's been hitting the glass is just really fun to watch. What was your takeaway from his weekend in New York? He played with so much energy mm-hmm. that entire game. And I keep telling these guys that, like, if you do what we ask and you play as hard as possible, like, like you could pick your minutes, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
I'll call a timeout to give you a break. If you're going to play, if he the way that he played, like he should play all the time. Yeah. And he's continued to do that. He's he's played really hard. He's kept it simple on offense. He's mm-hmm. taken open shots when he's had them. He's attacked closeouts. He's driven the ball and like been under control and has gotten good shots. But he's also passing it, finding teammates like. That weekend started uh, a really great trajectory for him, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, one of the one of the coolest things for me is talking to him here earlier this week or last week, and he's like, "Man, like, thank you for believing in me, mm. right?" And and I think he's kind of building off of that, and yeah. uh, you know, he's got a great great future ahead of him. He's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch him, like you said, hit the glass. It, it led me to something that I've heard you mention, and I wanted to dive into it because we get you know, the opportunity on this show to talk maybe a little bit longer about things. But I've heard you say multiple times, you're not going to coach effort. Uh, can you expand on that and just explain? Because I think you've talked about with rebounding, whether it's going to be diving for loose balls, what it might be. What, what do you mean when you say you won't coach effort, and how does that play into your larger coaching philosophy? Yeah. Uh, you only get so many minutes in practice. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, if we want a game plan, like we game plan for everything mm-hmm. on offense and defense, and you got to spend that time doing it. You also got to f- spend time on your fundamentals of offensively and defensively of how you want to be good. Well, what else do you want to focus on? And, you know, everybody does it different ways, right? Like it, winning is not uh, – a one-way thing, right? You can do it a lot of different ways. And I've been a lot of places. There's places where, you know, we we work on rebounding a lot. And there's teams that have had a lot of success doing it. Yeah. There's other teams that do loose ball drills and they roll the ball out and they go and dive on it. And um, I don't know, one of the things that I usually think about is, like, everybody wants to win. In order for you to win, you have to do those things. Like, if the ball's on the floor, you have to dive on it if we want to win. You have to rebound if you want to win. So if winning's important, then why don't we just do it without working on it? Right? Like that's where I always say, like, you know, I'm not gonna coach effort. I'm not gonna coach people playing hard because playing hard leads to winning. Like if you want to win, you're gonna play hard. Mm-hmm. If you want to win, you're gonna rebound. If you want to win, you're gonna dive on the loose balls. Uh, so like, we don't need to practice it. Yeah, yeah. I I thought it was when I heard you say it for the first time. It like a light bulb went off in my head because I. I had flashbacks to doing war drill, uh, like in high school, <laughs> and it was like when Tom Izzo was like peak Michigan State. Here's yes. what they do: they bring out the pads, and they say you're gonna you're gonna run, and you hit someone, and you turn and you go rebound, and it had an impact. And then I looked up at the end of the year, and I was just thinking, I was like, we, we couldn't score. Yeah, <laughs> we could rebound, yeah. but we couldn't score. I thought it was, if you want to win, you'll go hit the glass. Yeah, it, it was an interesting thing I hadn't thought we'll of. Do some tech early on. We'll do some technique about how to box out. Okay, right. If people were in certain places, sure, but. Like, we don't do it every day. Mm-hmm. We don't do it every day. Um, but it, now it's more about, yeah, I step to my man. If he's coming, like, I got to hit him. Yeah. Right? Like, if not, he's going to hit me. Right. That's not very fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Maryland Eastern Shore game, I thought, was the most complete game you played this year. I think the numbers are 18 assists, 13 threes. I imagine from your vantage point, when you watch that film, when you take the opponent out of context that's the way you want your team to look probably on both sides of the floor what was encouraging for you in that game and what do you think you can take from that game and replicate as the year goes along well um each opponent's different Mm -hmm. and they were one of the teams that 
kind of helped us get into rotations or they got into rotations just by how they guard it. Okay. Right. Some people don't, don't rotate at all hmm. and you have to force them to, uh, but when you get people in the rotations, now you got to move it. You got to swing it. You got to play the right way. Uh, I thought we did that. I thought our assist numbers were high. We got looks in transition. Um, we got drive and kick opportunities. We got extra passes. And all of that opens up, you know, wide open shots, but also wide open drives to the rim mm -hmm. when you get the defense scrambling, but offensive rebound opportunities as well. So, all of those numbers kind of tie in together. Right. Like, you know, it's hard to beat people on the first side. Like, if I don't move the ball, I keep it on one side. Like, I'm not getting to the basket. I'm not getting an open shot. It's going to be hard for me to rebound, too, because I'm not in position. They're in position to box out. So, yeah. um, that was the one game in, that where we really got it moving. We really got it swinging side to side, and everything kind of opened up for us. Let's talk about the two games on the road most recently, South Carolina and Miami. I think I saw the schedule come out. I knew, I think a lot of people knew this would be a tough stretch because you got to go on the road to an SEC building, then a top 10 team. What did you learn in these two games? I think I heard in your press conference, there's no moral victories, but there's still stuff you can take away from this, these two losses and build upon. What are those things and what did you see and what do you think the value is for a young team to go into true road environments and come out of there with something that they've learned? Yeah, like, you know, back to back games you got to go on the road all right and it's not like they're they were around the corner either like you know you fly to south carolina and you come back home and you turn around and fly to miami like those are long trips mm -hmm. um but you know you, you got to get ready you're playing quality opponents you're playing old teams and that's the one thing you look at you know i'm a big ken palm guy and you look in miami and south carolina are two of the oldest teams in the country mm -hmm. and here we are six from the bottom like, I think we're 351 or something in experience. Uh, so, you know, first road games for a lot of these guys. And, like, I thought we handled it really well. I thought we played really well. We just didn't – we weren't able to sustain it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that that's the thing that we got to take. On the road, you have to sustain that effort, that focus for the entire game in order for you to win. I thought we played at South Carolina. I thought we played well for 36 minutes. 30, yeah, yeah, 36 minutes. This is and the one stint between the two media that, timeouts. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, Miami, the same thing. There was a run in the first half where, you know, they got it to like eight or nine points, and that, you know, it was like turnover, turnover. They were getting pick sixes, you know, dunking on the other end or getting an open threes, and that opened the game up. And everything else, we were even. Mm -hmm. So, like – how do we handle, like, being able to play the right way, eliminate those stretches uh, the next time we go on the road? Yeah. The guy who's played well <clears throat> in the two losses is Tay Davis. Um, he's somebody who, and I think you said in the post game, he's getting better every game. And I, I really am fascinated by the way you use him. You haven't bring the ball up a lot. <clears throat> Just what have you seen from Tay, and what kind of playmaker can he be for you as he continues to get better each and every week, it seems like? Yeah, and – I think he can still get better. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's got a – we've talked about this with him, like a, a just being a little more detailed with his passing. Like at his size, mm -hmm. he can see over the top of defenders when he's coming out of pick and rolls. Now making the right pass to the right guy at the right time is something that, that we want to continue to grow with. But his confidence has skyrocketed every single game. Um, and 
he's attacking the basket and scoring well. He's rebounding well. He was at, you know, I think getting over two offensive rebounds a game. Um, and then he also, like, at the same time, he's guarding the best player on the other team. So, you know, he started the game guarding Wooga Poplar, who's, you know, preseason first team, all ACC guy. He trying to think of who he guarded at South Carolina. Uh, Studi at South Carolina, who's mm-hmm. their leading – their best shooter yeah. as a perimeter guy, right? To be able to go from guarding different guys, different positions, we move him all over the court. Like, whoever the best guy is, we start by putting Tay there. Mm. And then we put everybody else around that. So, he's taking on a lot of responsibility. And uh, he's playing really hard and, and you know, hope he, he can continue this stretch that he's on. Okay, <clears throat> hard shift here uh, to a non-basketball topic because I want to dive into this. Um, soft drink of choice yeah. for you is a, like, Dr. Pepper, not diet, straight Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Right? Okay. Fountain. Fount- so I was going to get into this. Yeah. Can we rank these? Fountain, plastic bottle, glass bottle, and can. Okay. Um, fountain's one, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I'm particular with my ice as well. I'm a fat ice guy. Like fat not, ice. Fat ice, not not uh, cubed. You don't want little uh, chunks. I don't, I don't like the little chunks. Okay. I, I think, and and this is you know when you're a a fountain connoisseur like I am, um, you appreciate this that I think the 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 drink stays in the fat ice a little bit, right? Like there there's a little remnants left in the fat ice. So then you might take, you know, I eat a little bit of the ice at the end. And you still get some Dr. Pepper in there. You save a little snack for later. Save <laughs> a little snack for later. <laughs> but yeah, Fountain One, easy. Um, I'm not a huge bottle guy. Okay, it's hard for the bottles to get cold. Right. So they're like, too they're too um, yeah. packaged, too yeah, well packaged, so too I, well insulated. Got yeah. It. So the the bottom the plastic bottle might be four for me. Okay. Um, I don't get very many glass bottles, mm. so but I it, I'm if you had one, would, you're going I'm guessing that would be two. two. Yeah. I'm guessing it would be two. Yeah. Cans are three, even though I have more of the cans because they're just sitting in my office. So the most readily available, easily just sitting right yeah. there, quick cracking. Yeah, but yeah. fountain that's that is a number one fat ice fountain. McDonald's fountain, absolutely. So that's the best fountain. It was like I think it was Chad Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson, who said Coke McDonald's fountain, no matter what. Yes. They're fountains. There's something going on there. They have a different recipe or something? They What's have the a different recipe. The ice is unbelievable. Uh, great ice. <laughs> McDonald's, McDonald's ice? McDonald's ice. <laughs> okay. it, yes. Like, I think they sell ice, don't they? It, I, I thought I saw a commercial where they sell bags of ice for, like, tailgates and stuff. Really? I might just go and buy bags of ice and just keep it at my house so it's readily available. You should. I'm thinking of McDonald's ice now. Is it, It's kind of like a square. It is a square. It's the square. Yeah. And I know there's a little ridges and it gets it gets caught in there. It's caught inside. Uh, that is good ice. So uh, our new freezer has big ice and little ice. Mm. And my wife's been really into the little ice recently. And I get it. It's a little bit more manageable. Uh, the big ice can get clunky because it's, yeah. it's big cubes. But I, I, you're right. The McDonald's ice. I mean, McDonald's fountain drink. It does hit like almost nothing else. It's pretty good. I, I'll, I'll um, so I, the Dr. Pepper thing is, I don't know, fairly recent last last few years. Oh. But I was I was regular Coke for a long time. So every once in a while, I, I like go to McDonald's and just like, just let me have a Coke. Get here. back into your roots. Yeah, get back into the roots. <laughs> remember where remember where I came from. Okay, good to know. I'm glad we settled that debate. Last one before we take our first break is just about basketball again um 
this week, you got a couple games. I want to look forward a little bit. I know you got a big one on Tuesday, but I just want to talk about Marquette and the opportunity to go out there. It's a great rivalry, Notre Dame and Marquette, that's back on the schedule these last couple years. I was thinking, was Shaka at the same Final Four? Was VCU the year after you guys or no? So VCU was there? Okay. They were there, yeah. They were there in that Final yeah, Four. Did yeah. you guys pl- We did play. Did You did play. Yeah, okay. Coach Gather was on staff at VCU as well. Really? Yeah, not that I remind him at all <laughs> that we, when we bring it up. So, no, the same same one, same uh, same Final Four, and we played them mm-hmm. 2011 in the first, uh, the first game. And what are the memories from that? Us winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty simple, huh? Very simple. Very uh, simple. The, yeah. the challenge then this week, they're obviously a great team. Just It's another great opportunity, like we talked about, going on the road. Just what are you looking forward to with both games this week and specifically the opportunity to go play a great rival like Marquette? Yeah, I, I think, you know, both games, you know, one, Tuesday, we get a chance to come back home yeah. and, and play, right? When you go on the road for a couple of games, you're so anxious to get back home and be in front of your fans. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but then playing the Marquette's going to be a great challenge, right? Like it, it's – they're a really, really good team. Uh, you know, I've watched them a few times just throughout the year, just casually, you know, because I watch a lot of basketball. But yeah. they play fast. They play fun style. Um, it's going to be a great challenge for us to guard them because they have so many great scores. And whether that's Tyler Kolick, who's like a preseason, you know, all-American to Iga Darrell's now climbing up draft boards and the other guys on the wing uh, are really good players, good shooters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I've been in the Fiserv Forum a few times Yeah, in, in the old Bucks versus Celtics days. So uh, it'll be fun to go there and, you know, I don't – I'm sure there'll be a lot of people – Hating on the Irish um, in that building, but that's good. That's okay. You like it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're used to it. Yeah. All right, coach. Appreciate it. We'll take a break and we'll bring Logan Imes in. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm your game day face paint, and you just rubbed me right into your eye. Now your vision is super irritated. So is that driver you just hit. And if you have cut rate car insurance, these damages will rob you blind. So switch to Allstate. Save $468 and get better protected from mayhem, like me. National average annual savings of new auto customers surveyed in 2022 who switched to Allstate. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Hey, Fighting Irish fans. We love that you're hanging out with us for this episode of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireRack.com. TireRack.com has been revolutionizing tire buying since 1979, so you know they've got their game plan down. Ask their team of experts or help yourself using their extensive playbook. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide make buying a new set of tires as easy as a layup. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right, Coach, we brought in another freshman. Logan Imes is joining us today. Um... We're going to hear from him later about whether or not he was familiar with the AM1 mixtape growing up. Did we talk about AM1 mixtapes your first time here? I can't remember. I don't think we, we did. did not. We, no. I talked to Coach Freeman about it. Yeah. And he gave me a few things. But who were your guys growing up, AM1 mixtape? Um, man, uh, may rest in peace, Escalade. Mm. Right? Like, yeah. you know, I, I maybe I got a little, uh, you know, Mark Jackson's brother. Obviously, Mark yeah. Jackson was like a great. Indiana Pacer point guard. <clears throat> so watching 
uh, Troy. I think he played at Louisville too. Did he play uh, at Louisville? I really? think so. Okay, wow. But he was one of my favorites. You know, obviously everybody loved Hot Sauce, yeah. the professor, mm-hmm. like the guys that could dribble and, and do all the stuff. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a big fan of the the dudes that like did all the dunks. Like it wasn't, wasn't very <laughs> like exciting. Spider just hangs on. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. very exciting yeah. to me. Yeah. But the, the, anybody that like so disrespectful to throw the ball off somebody's forehead. <laughs> like, but anybody that did that, it was it was a lot of entertainment to watch yeah, that. Yeah, Escalade was the guy that kept Professor on the bus when it was close at the end too. And then again, there's something about Escalade being the size he was, and he had a ton of skill. It just kind of yeah. blew you away. Like, it did. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Logan Imes is here, and I just want to know when was the first time you watched him play basketball? Do you know? Um. Well, probably I saw him play on like video they had like videos <laughs> like you know like a mixtape maybe i don't know if it was quite <laughs> a mixtape <laughs> definitely not a mixtape definitely not a mixtape but it was like it was like aau um he was probably in like eighth grade um watching them it was like highlights of mm-hmm. of a game okay and watching that but then i watched him play as a freshman uh in high school and that was the that was the first opportunity I don't even know if you even remember. I was I stopped in recruiting right before the old Crossroads Classic, I believe. Really? And I saw you guys play your freshman year. Hmm. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, see? I don't know who you played. but <laughs> It's uh, probably like 30 to 33 or something. Yeah, it was probably yeah. very low score. No shot is. clock, so, right? We talked about that no last shot time. Clock, yeah. yeah. But so, his freshman year, okay. during, the, during the high school season, I watched him play okay. um, on a recruiting trip. And then I got to watch him starting that summer and – you know, AAU every summer. Sure. What, what For you, Logan, when did basketball become a thing that you thought you could play at this level? Like, how long has that been in your head? I mean, it's always been a dream of mine, okay. you know, because I've always watched basketball growing up and I always wanted to play college basketball. Um, I think probably when I got to, like, freshman year, like, that's, like, between freshman and sophomore year, I feel like I was, like, I hit a growth spurt a little bit, got a little bit stronger, a little bit more athletic. <laughs> I was like, all right, maybe maybe I could do something here, you know? And I feel like just after that and, like, just always working towards it, like, it was always a goal in mind. And I think just when I got to that point, I was like, all right, this is something I can attain. Mm-hmm. So. Coach, when you're watching a freshman then, and maybe he has to hit that growth spurt, how do you how do you scout or how do you evaluate when you see someone and you say, okay, they might need six inches, but I got to keep them in the back of my head in case they hit that growth spurt? What's that process like for you? Yeah, I mean um... – especially early on in high school, you hear about the names of different kids, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I was an assistant coach at the time, um, and we were well on our way to older classes. Like we were already set. So I was like, well, I can start recruiting the younger classes mm-hmm. and get a chance to see a bunch of these kids and, and see how they play, how they handle themselves at the varsity level, right? Zionsville was playing a really good schedule. So like, he was playing against real people, right? Mm-hmm. Some people can put up big time numbers and they're not playing against anybody. But like he I knew he was playing against real people. So um, you know, you kind of see it and then you see how they handle themselves, how they handle themselves in tough situations, um, you know, close games, all of those things. And, you know, you can never like close the door or a book on anybody that young. You just have to try and see and pick out what you can at that age, and then follow them mm-hmm. to see how they progress from there. You mentioned playing in the 30s without a shot clock. Yeah. What, what is that like? What is that like? Is that frustrating when the score is that low? Um, I mean, my freshman year, we definitely utilized the no shot clock. It was a strategy for sure. Okay. Uh, 
It it can get frustrating at times. Yeah, definitely in high school, you're just like, I feel like there's certain teams you play. I think people probably said that about us, you know, they're just like a minute long possession, <laughs> just swing, 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 dribble, dribble, swing, you know? I mean, when you're playing, you don't really feel it, but then like when you get subbed out, you're on the bench, you're like, and you look up and it's like 16 points with like two minutes left in the third yeah. quarter. It's like, I think our sectional game was 21-23 in my freshman year. Final score? Final score. Uh, game winner. So it was 21-21. And then we hit one, huh? You, you won. It was twenty one, twenty one. You guys got the yeah. Last and one. we hit a game winner that game twenty three, twenty one. You know when you really feel it is when you, like you said, when you get subbed out and you look, and you're like, all right, I won't be out that long. But the possessions are so yeah. long, mm -hmm. you're like, man, I just sat out for like seven minutes <laughs> of the yeah. game because there's no stoppages. It's like the game is just moving without stoppages, yeah. and everybody's just holding the ball. So if you come out of the game, like you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. We'll wait till <laughs> wait till the quarter. I think that's like the FIBA rules too, right? There was a I think in one of those gold medal games against Spain, they had a tough time getting Kobe or LeBron back in because the substitutions are different and the clock wouldn't stop, and you can get in trouble if you don't have your right guys on the floor late in the game. Uh, we talked to Coach Fairley. You're gonna hear from him later about how tough it is to adjust from high school to college you just talked about when you're looking at freshmen in high school like what do you look for in a young player when they're coming to play for you in this case and what did you see in Logan that made you want to make sure that he played for you at Notre Dame as a freshman yeah um you know the, the first thing that I saw and that stands out is his competitiveness sure. right he, he is a um he likes to take on challenges and is not afraid of challenges like that's the one thing of getting to watch him bunch of years in a row is when the game's on the line like he'll he can go and guard the best guy on the other team and he can go and make plays as well right and that like some people shy away from that and some people embrace that hmm. uh, but those was that was like something that really stood out to me and I was like oh this is a tough kid right here hmm. like and and the moment's not too big for him yeah um so you need as many guys like that as you can get right you said, and then also, when you played AAU, you played with Braden, yeah, right? Yeah. What was that experience like? What was it like with playing with his son over the course of the last few years? Oh, it's been great. Obviously, me and Braden have grown really close as friends, and then our chemistry on the court's been really good the last couple of years. And I feel like, especially this last year, too, we had, like, seven guys most turn Like, where most AAU teams carried 14, five so of them never see the court. We had seven, so everyone <laughs> plays. And me and Braden, Braden were always the backcourt guys, so we played together, worked really well off each other. And I just, it was really fun to play with him. It's always like, he's perfect. Whenever we needed a bucket this summer, it was like, all right, let's run him off of like mm -hmm. three different screens and get him a shot or something. So. I haven't had a chance to ask you much about this, but like when you would go watch them AAU, right? You're a coach. Mm -hmm. Were you able, able, ever able to go to those games and watch as dad, or is it just you got to watch as coach? You're recruiting. You're thinking about all these things in the back of your head. Yeah, it, it's, um, I it's a little bit of both. Okay. Right, like, um, you know, I I I knew their coach, right? So like, he would ask me, "Hey, is there something you see? Or we're getting ready to play this team that does this? Is there things that we could do to try and score?" And I and I talked to him about that. But these guys, I tried to as much as I can just allow them to enjoy it, right? But if there was a, something that I saw, I'd, I'd try and help them. Mm -hmm. But, um. I just wanted them to have fun. That yeah. was the biggest thing. And, like, I enjoyed watching them, right? Yeah. And, like, now it, it's pretty cool to see um, these two guys playing here. Uh, we're watching film, getting ready for our next game, and one of their AAU teammates was on the clips <laughs> of from the other team that they were playing. And, like, 
seeing highlights of one of the other guys that that's playing in the SEC. Like mm. it's it's really cool to see all these guys grow. Actually, shoot, um, one of the guys that started out with him plays football at Ohio State. So to yeah. see him in the really? stadium, wow. like all these guys are doing big time things. Yeah, and that for me is the best part. Like I love like seeing what they're doing, seeing where they started, but seeing what they're doing now is like really cool. What kind of TV do you watch, Logan? Do you uh, watch a lot of TV? I mean, mostly sports, but like I've watched like some TV shows. When like, he's not studying, yeah, yeah right. Obviously, we, studying, yeah, yeah, we talked. So I, I shouldn't have gone there first. <laughs> yeah. So it's late. You've gotten all your studying done. What do you flip on the TV? Not, not a lot. Mostly I mean, sports. Usually, like I mean, now it's college basketball season, so I'm watching games. I got you. But like, I feel like I'll, I've been watching a couple shows on Netflix. Like I was big into Breaking Bad, uh, The Office, Ozarks. I've watched yeah. all those. Yeah. Okay. What, what about reality TV? Not None. Really, no. I thought we're gonna find someone that watches the challenge at some point. Do you know what we he are. does bef- after shoot around before games? I don't. No. He goes and watches. You know what the challenge is? MTV. I f- I've heard that. Yeah. You you should watch it. Maybe, maybe I was right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. But he says he watches the challenge after shoot around before tip. Like during pregame meal or whatever. Like yeah. Right after meal. I grab my grab my food and I walk back to the office. I eat it. Lay on my couch. Nice. And I watch. Does that make you feel episode, like though. maybe a like head coach is watching the challenge ninety minutes before tip? Are you now worried? No, that's, about- that's great. <laughs> that's you great. Okay. Your mind. I do the same. I'm <laughs> playing like games on my phone. I need anything. You got to get away. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. watch some like YouTube show. YouTube, you know, get you just not not thinking about or like stressing about the game. Just kind of like having that time to just like be in your own little world for a bit is perfect. Yeah, it can consume you if you're not if you're not careful. Yeah. Which uh, you've been to both dining halls, right? Yes. Okay. Do you have a preference? Um, I feel like I typically – my dorm is by south, but I go to north because it's by my classes and uh, the facility is closer to it. So. I thought you were going to say you go to north because it's better, because no. that's the right answer. You know I that – I don't have a preference, to be honest. So I need you to give me a, a vote. You gotta pick I mean, one. I'll say north because I go okay. there more often. Because yeah. I pressured you into north. Coach, yeah, have you been to both too. yet? Have you been? To I have been to both. Do you yes. have a preference? I haven't gone enough to have a preference. Okay. Um, the first time I went to South, I was I was overwhelmed. <laughs> I was overwhelmed. I got there and it was actually before classes let out. And then right in the middle of my order, everybody came in and I like talk about pressure. Like coaching the game, I ain't nothing. <laughs> like trying to like make a uh, pasta dish on your own. And there's people, a whole bunch of people behind you waiting, like a huge line. Like, and they know the process, too. They know what they want. Oh, yeah. that's pressure. I didn't know how to clean it out. Like, yeah. oh, I, I just destroyed it. So, um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry for whoever was behind me in line there at South. 1225 is what I found. If the schedule's still the same, is the worst time to be there. It's rush hour. When I was working full-time here, I'd be there like 1130, dead time, get my stuff. Because you want to hit every spot. There's so many options. But... North is my pick. I'll give you to the end of the year. Once you get back there a few times, you got to cast your official vote. It's okay. pretty much even right now. I've asked all, Brady Quinn. I think he was a South guy. Maybe uh, I think he was a South guy, like Mike Golick Jr. They all have their votes. Um, last one before we take a break. I just want – we kind of touched on it a little bit, and it seems like you're enjoying having Logan on campus and coaching him. But as you kind of look forward to his future, what excites you most about having him at Notre Dame for, the, for his basketball career? I think, um, one – before even basketball, like I think he's a really great fit here at Notre okay. Dame. Um, just you know, a kid that's serious about his academics is like great in the community, is great on campus. Mm. That I think people can really rally behind um, first and foremost. 
like basketball wise, like I, I think like it's it's hard. Being a freshman's hard, right? Going to school as a freshman's hard. Playing basketball at the high major level's hard. And um we're like I see the growth every day from our team and our group and um and even Logan and like what we're doing, how he's playing and like I can't wait to be able to see it, right? I got a chance to watch him from a freshman through a senior in high school now to get a chance to do it in college and, and mm-hmm. see the growth as a player. He's going to be a great leader for us. He's going to be a great um, a, a great teammate. Um, he's going to be a really good player for us. And, like, I keep saying that he's going to be a guy that um, ACC opponents will be like, he, is he still here? <laughs> It's going to be one of those guys, like by his junior season. Joey Gerard like, kind of What guy. year is that kid? <laughs> yeah. Is he still here at Notre Dame? It's yeah. like, yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's still here. Logan, for you, what, what are you looking forward to most in your Notre Dame career? Um, I mean, I feel like there's just like, just like all the challenges to go tackle. I mean, like, there's so much for us to accomplish. And like, I feel like just being here at like the ground and like building it up, like, I'm just so excited, like where the the future of this program is going, and that just like I could be a part of it. Yeah. Like I'm just like I'm really excited to see what we can do over the next four years, and like the teams that we can beat, and like the things we can accomplish all together. And I think that's just what I'm most excited for. So. Awesome. All right, we'll take a break. We'll get Coach Shrews out and bring Coach Fairley in. And we're back with the action. Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever? That's right, Jim. With an irresistible taste and zero sugar, Coke Zero Sugar is a must-try for any sports fan. So make sure you... Wait, Jim, I didn't mean try it right now. We're still on the air. Mmm, best Coke ever? Take a taste, Jen. Really? No, not right now, Jen. We got a game to call. Hey, it's Tony Simeone, the voice of Notre Dame Athletics. Have you saved enough for retirement? Howard Bailey Financial is the official wealth management partner of Notre Dame Athletics, and they have a free resource that you can download right now. Get insight on taxes, Social Security, income planning, and much more by visiting retirewithpurpose.com echo. That's retirewithpurpose.com. Dot com slash echo. Notre Dame Athletics was compensated for this endorsement and is not a current client of Howard Bailey. For more information, visit howardbailey.com slash disclosure. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Logan Imes, Coach Fairley, thanks for joining us. Um, let's let's pick up where we were just talking about before we hit record here. 1842. I'll quiz Logan. What happened in 1842? Uh, Notre Dame was founded as a university. There you go, yeah. Coach. You want to divulge a little bit of what where this trivia topic came up from? The yeah. Other day? So so Father Pete, we had mass the other night before we left for our game at South Carolina, and during his homily, uh, I believe it was November 26th. For, forgive me if I have the exact day wrong, but mm-hmm. he said it. Anybody in here know what happened on November 26, 1842? And just crickets from uh, from our, from our whole squad and traveling party and everything like that. So 
uh, good old Coach Fairley raised his hand and said, I, that was the day Notre Dame was founded. And everyone's looking at me like I'm sort of genius. And I was like, doesn't everybody know that? Come on. But uh, if you see 1842 all over the place yeah. and uh, admissions decisions are sent out at 642 p.m. for mm-hmm. 1842 military time. But uh, These are all yeah. things Logan now knows. Yeah, yeah so Logan's lo- he's locked in now. So yeah. he can uh, be the bearer of that torch moving forward. It's a young group kind of learning all the Notre Dame traditions, right? You know about the end zone and the lines? Yeah, is it something about like, uh, airplanes or no? There is actually maybe I'm wrong. Dang, I, I appreciate the effort. It's yeah. about airplanes, coach. You want to fill them in? Well, I think that's a um, we were told at one point that it was a landing strip originally. Oh, so maybe then that there maybe I'm not on was, purpose. but uh, there's nine uh, slashes. So like a certain degree in each right? end zone, yeah. Like they say, 42, it's at 42 oh, degrees, okay. and it yeah. points right towards the Golden Dome, and 18 lines at 42 degrees. Uh, we have them on our basketball court as well. If you look notice at, at the sidelines, yeah, yeah. It's, it's making sense. 18, by the time you leave here, eighteen forty-two yeah. will be ingrained. It'll in your head. resonate for sure. Yeah, I wanted to start with a topic that came up on the football show, and I'm going to ask this, I think, to every basketball player we get here because you guys are now so young compared to me, Coach. I'm sure you feel the same way, Logan. And one mixtape. Are you familiar with the and one mixtapes? Um, yes, I wouldn't say like I've watched them, but I'm familiar of them. Yeah, like okay. So like, do you have any guys that you no, like, you couldn't no. name a single one? I mean, I don't think I could. I mean, I like I could. I'm thinking of like people. I just don't know if they're in and one. So give me someone. Like Bone Collector was he in yeah. and one? Okay. Yeah. So like that's yeah. like the one guy that I can name. Professor. The professor. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I've Hot, heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hot sauce. No. No. Spider. Coach. Let, let's let's oh wh- man who are you yeah. guys? like it was the biggest thing back in the oh, day you know those those mixtapes and you'd go and buy a pair of m1s just to get the mixtape at that point if you could uh but now such a big deal and i'll go back to like the originals with ray for alston and me growing up in new york of like no that was a big deal those mixtapes in the park and then it grew and then the tour came in after that and then people trying to make the tour and the bus and the espn show and all that stuff but uh shout out to my guy seth berger uh over at west town one of the founders of uh of n1 but no back in the day when we were in high school and college it was the biggest thing going it was like a cultural movement yeah. uh you mentioned ray for austin skip to my lou is who he was known so you said you knew about him back when you were growing up yeah you know least. i grew up right outside new york city you know yeah. so he was a he was a big deal before and then he goes to fresno and then on to the league and obviously he had a, a roundabout path but uh, he was well known early on for more for what he was doing in the parks than what he was doing at you know high school or college level. Yeah. But uh, certainly a legend in New York City. Logan, do you do you play outside at all growing up, or are you mostly uh, an indoor? I mean, A1, obviously, A1 I would prefer yeah. indoor, but uh, I've definitely played outside a little bit. Yeah, there just wasn't like a lot of parks where I grew up where mm-hmm. people would just kind of meet up and play. So if you're playing outside, it's probably by yourself or with one on one with a friend or something yeah. like that. You grew up in Zionsville. Right? Yeah. What What's Zionsville like? Because it's like two hours from here. I've only yeah. driven through on the way to Indy. What's yeah, it? it's like a suburb. I mean, yeah, it's like a regular suburb. I mean, it's not too big, so like mm-hmm. everyone kind of knows each other. But I mean, I had I love my hometown. Like it was great. Like I had a great group of friends and stuff. High school was awesome. So yeah, it was just a small town, like a cool little downtown area too. We had like a brick road and stuff, but it was it was nice. It it's was, not too it, big. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, not too big. Coach, I wanted to touch on your time at St. Joe's, yep. and what I'm curious about first is just the experience you played for Phil Martelli. Yes. Right? What was Coach Martelli's impact on you? Because that guy's kind of a legend in the coaching. Oh, I don't know how long we have, but. Uh... No, he, just, he changed my life. You know, I, I made the team as an unrecruited walk-on uh, in tryouts my sophomore year. And, uh, you know, everything in my life changed beyond that. Uh, one of the other walk-ons was his son, Phil Martelli Jr., who's mm-hmm. now the head coach at Bryant, uh, who had become my best friend. And, you know, I'm, I'm only in coaching because of Coach Martelli and his impact on me. Yeah. And 
just what he was able to do, uh, you know, with those teams and, and being a leader and uh, such a mentor for me beyond that. Uh, but no, his impact is un- unbelievable on my life. And, and I'm still very, very lucky and blessed that um, to have him and, and him as a guiding light throughout this college coaching career that I've pursued. And, and you were on the teams right before. The year, your year last year, the year before they had that thirty and two year with Jameer yeah, and Delonte. So, so you were with those guys. Uh, yeah. Before. So hindsight, wish I would have redshirted. You know, <laughs> then I could have been on that on that undefeated team, uh, number one in the country. Uh, that would have been nice. Um, one of my roommates uh, was a starter on that team, uh, and we were still living together at that point. So I went to all the games that year. I was actually coaching the JV team at St. Joe's at that point. So I was still very involved with the program. But uh, yeah, I was born a year too soon. I, I like to say that. Jameer Nelson and I combined for 2,107 points in our careers. And that'd be a good backcourt. You know, if you said to any college coach, like, all right, you're going to get two guards, they're going to combine for 2,107 points. You take college, it. We're taking it. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not going to say who had 2,100 and who had seven. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good duo. When you first. What are you laughing about, Logan? I, I, believe, I know you're right. I okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah. Come on. When you first, like, encountered Jameer and I guess Delonte when they came on campus, did you just know that they were a cut above? Guys that usually come in, and I mean, they had a, they had amazing careers there. You know, and, and what I'll say is, Jameer was unbelievable from day one. You know, and so I'm coming in, making the team as a walk on as a sophomore. He's a freshman, and he's still getting after it in practice every day. You know, he's trying to prove his worth, and you know, he hadn't accomplished much at that point. He was in a little bit less heralded recruits. There was more um, heralded guys coming, point guards coming out of New York City in that class, yeah. rather than him coming from Chester, PA. So. He goes to St. Joe's, not as well-known, you know, borderline top 100 guy. So he was going at it every day in practice. And I got there and I said, I better hit the weight room because this dude is 5'10 and a buck 90 and strong and yeah. physical. Um, but but what a player. And you could tell just his IQ uh, from such an early stage was off the charts. And then Delonte was a little bit different. You know, he got there, again, kind of unheralded, a little bit of a late bloomer and was solid his freshman year as kind of a backup. He didn't have the immediate impact that Jameer did. But the way that he worked, you know, Delonte went from making two threes his freshman year. He was two for 18 his whole freshman year from three to then shooting 40% from three as a sophomore. Um, one of the hardest workers I've been around. Yeah. Uh, just just an unbelievable worker. Slept in the gym that summer, was in the locker room. Like, there was nights he'd just wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and walk out and go shoot. You know, he was just one of the hardest workers I've been around. And I brought this up with Braden last week because I said the three hardest workers I've been around since I've been in college basketball are Delonte West, Justin Wright Foreman at Hofstra, wow. and Braden Shrewsbury. Really? Those are the three hardest workers. Um, That's good company. Yeah, it's good company. Um, you know, but that, that he was the gold standard. I was as hard of a worker as we had and competitive, but Delonte West was just a different level. And obviously that took him to, to, to wonderful heights yeah. in, a, in, a, in an NBA career. Logan, when were you born? Uh, year? 2004. Okay, so that was that year. So, do you know like about Jameer and Delonte? Are you familiar with that team or? Uh, not the team. I mean, I know Jameer. Jameer and Delonte, Nelson. But, yeah. yeah. Who were your guys growing up then? Who were you watching? Who were the basketball players you looked up to growing up as a young kid? Uh, college-wise, I was a Wisconsin fan growing up. My Ooh. dad was a UW graduate, so I was like, I was big into Wisconsin. Like when Sam Decker was there, was there Frank Kaminsky, uh, like the fifth, 2015 yeah, like team, back-to-back uh, Final Four runs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had some good teams, so I watched them. I mean, I would just always have like basketball on TV. Like, I was, my first like real fan uh, was Kevin Durant. Like, I was a huge Kevin Durant fan. Him and Steve Nash, those were like my two guys growing up. So I'm a Seattle was. native. Okay. So we got Durant for one year mm. after he was drafted, and yeah. I moved the team out to OKC. So 
we kind of latch on to KD, but we never got what we thought we should have gotten out Right, of yeah, not the full experience. Yeah. Yeah. What about Nash do you like when you watched him growing up? I just feel like he's a true point guard. Mm-hmm. You know, I just kind of thought like the way, you know, he made a lot of flashy plays too. So like when you're younger, you like seeing that stuff. But I think like just a lot of things he did on the court were just winning plays. And I feel like that's just fun to watch. He's like a great soccer player too. That's, I think what he said, he attributes a lot of his like vision and like team nature too, is that he's got able to see the floor as a soccer player, which I thought was yeah. interesting. What's the adjustment been like coming to this level? Like I asked Marcus Burton when he was here a couple weeks ago about how difficult the practices were. And he said he called his mom yeah. the first time. He said, yeah. he said, I don't know if I can make it. Yeah. What's it been like for you coming to this level and getting used to practices or games at this level? Yeah, well, it's not just Marcus. If he was wondering, <laughs> it's all of us. So, I mean, I've definitely had talks to my parents like, you know, this is – this is next level stuff. No, it's it's been awesome. I mean, I've really enjoyed the whole entire like every time every time I step on the court with my teammates and stuff, and all the practices have been great. But I mean, it's definitely like the competitiveness and the toughness that it takes here. It's just it's a whole other level that I feel like you can always think you say you're ready for it until you actually get thrown into the fire and you're just like, all right, well let's let's figure it out, you know. Yeah. And I feel like you just you just got to keep going and like put in the work every day. Like it's not just like you know you can do it some days and like you get through rewards from it it's like it's a consistent every single day thing mm-hmm. you got to do and i mean that's just yeah that's what you gotta do so okay fill me in so i I played high school basketball that's it and, and like practices would be hard because they might run us one day like when does a practice get really hard what makes it really hard at this level like what are the what what are the things that make it difficult on you um i feel like just you know i mean there's a lot of wear and tear in your body and stuff so like now that we're in season obviously okay. just like playing all the time and then just like having practice like you get tired but at the same time it's like you, I think there's like moments in practice you can tell you're like, oh, here it comes. Like, it's about to get ripped. He knows what I'm talking about. Uh, I have no idea what you're talking no, about. No, really, yeah, no. It's just like, you know, the gym's kind of quiet. Uh, shrewd, like, you know, we might have, it's like five on no, and you turn the ball over or something like that, or you're not, you make a couple defensive errors, and it's like, oh, here it comes, you know, like, and then he, you know, gets on us, and then that's like when practice is like, all right, everyone lock in, you know, we gotta, we gotta figure this out, like, with hang out with, the, or be with each other through it all and just, grind out however much we got left because you know that's how we got to figure it out coach for you then I'm curious because it is a young team and you were a freshman and you've coached freshmen what's the process like how do you have to get people that are new to college basketball acclimated to this level without obviously wearing them down as he said they got to be able to play they got to be able to go like what's the philosophy from you guys as a staff and What's maybe the biggest challenge when you bring someone on campus to get them prepared for this level? It, it's so much, Tony. I think it's the biggest adjustment to you make. If you, if you go through a, a basketball career and you say, okay, well, you go from a middle school player to a high school player, or you go from a college player to a pro or to an NBA, of like, you know, most guys that end up making the NBA, they're already pros. They're acting like pros when they're in college, mm-hmm. right? So the adjustment now from high school to college is the biggest one, you know? So you, you have to be aware of it and, and the learning curve and you know, we, we put a lot on these guys' shoulders. You know, the, these guys are expected to come in day one. It, it, these guys haven't had the luxury of being a normal freshman of like, okay, we're just going to, you know, hey, maybe you're going to redshirt. Maybe you're just going to be a 12th man. Maybe you're going to, you know, like we were throwing them to the fire pre- pretty early here, yeah. which in the long term is going to be great for them. Right. You know, uh, and going to be the best thing of, you know, you look at what these guys are going to be like as sophomores next year, as juniors, and, and you get really excited, you know, because you say, man, they're already getting thrown to the fire. They're already getting these great experiences that some guys don't get for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So in the end, it's going to be great. In the interim, it could be hard, right? There can be some tough moments. And I think just consistently building these guys up as much as you can, you know, um, as well as learning in different ways, you know, and you got to figure out as a coach 
what are the best ways to get through to these guys? Is it getting on the floor with them walking through stuff? Is it getting on the floor with them and doing live drills? Is it grabbing the laptop and watching clips from practices and games? And mm-hmm. to our guys' credit, they've done an unbelievable job. You know, Logan's in there all the time with, with Coach Trey Witted working and developing his game. You always see him with Grady Eifert and the laptop and watching film and, and growing and progressing. So you have to do, you have to go above and beyond, you know, it, to really make this adjustment and to speed this adjustment up. And again, that's part of us of sometimes you have the luxury of having a learning curve, Yeah. but our, we don't have that luxury this year, you know, so helping and from day one in June, helping these guys do that to, you know, now as we're in the flow of the season, got to go a little bit above and beyond to these guys credit. They've done everything we've asked. And they've asked for more too, yeah. you know, in terms of wanting to, to learn and grow. And uh, and that's a credit to these guys. Last one before we take a break, I want to ask you, Coach, uh, just about Notre Dame. We talked about it at the beginning. You've been around a lot of places in college basketball. You've been back east and seen a lot of the college landscape. When you got the opportunity to come here, just what excites you about being in South Bend, being able to coach at this university? Uh, it's just an awesome place. You know, uh, growing up as an Irish Catholic kid, New York and uh, right outside New York City and you see Notre Dame on TV on uh, college football games right and you grow up and you see oh Troy Murphy and Chris Thomas and all the great players you've had here in the tradition you know uh, it's really unbelievable uh, one of my college teammates Pat Carroll his brother Matt was a was a great player here and then mm-hmm. went on to play in the NBA for a long time so followed Notre Dame closely there so you see love like this is the epitome of high level academics high level athletics and obviously the Catholic based you know uh, school here you know the, the epitome of that too in this country so you have everything at the highest level so for me that was that was unbelievable um I'm getting a little bit further away from the Atlantic Ocean which is you know getting my summers at, at the Jersey Shore just get a little bit tougher um <laughs> probably the only negative I have otherwise you know it's a great place a supportive environment I've always really loved and appreciated going to and then working at Catholic schools yeah. I really do feel that the support that you get, the community nature of those schools truly is different. Uh, and you really do get that feeling here as soon as you walk on campus. We've experienced that so far. And, you know, for my family and I, it, it's great to be here. And the type of kids that you get to coach here at Notre Dame as well, guys like Logan Imes and Braden and Marcus and the whole crew that we have, uh, it's who, who I love coaching, who I want to be with every day, you know, so it, it's been great. All right, Coach, appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break and come right back. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge-watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog, because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Bank like the Irish when you become a member of Credit Union One, the official banking partner of Notre Dame Athletics. Open a Fighting Irish checking account to get special perks and choose from one of eight exclusive Notre Dame debit card designs so you can show your pride every time you pay. Plus, with the Credit Union One branch located just steps from campus at 1140 East Howard Street and CU1's highly rated mobile app, it's never been more convenient to bank on your schedule. Find out more at creditunionthenumberone.org slash Irish. Federally insured by NCU. We now have the pleasure of being joined by a very special guest, Bonzi Colson, uh, former Notre Dame great, first team all ACC. Bonzi, this is a really an interview I've been looking forward to for a long time. 
I'm going to start you off with what we call our coldest moment of the week segment. Okay. It's presented by Yeti. I want you to tell me, and I have a couple in mind, but I'll let you go first. What was Bonzi Colson's coldest moment at Notre Dame? My coldest moment? Only one? Giving you just one to start. Okay, one. Well, oh, man. Um, one that, that sticks out to me is when I got a rebound from Jabari, I mean, Jahil Okafer. And I like grabbed it and I like kind of posed with the ball. And I like, I think I like looked at him kind of like intense. And that kind of was a, was a kind of just a momentum swing during the game. But I think that photo right there just kind of implemented me of, of, of how I kind of play, you know, while I was at Notre Dame, just energetic and hard every possession. Was this in a game at Cameron, at Purcell? Where I was this? I think it was at Brooklyn. No, I think it was at Purcell's. I think I was a freshman. And we're going on a run, oh. and I got like this this crazy rebound, and I think that kind of just started it a little bit. I, I believe I was a freshman. I could be mistaken. Okay. My yeah. coolest moment, I know it came in a loss, but that performance in the ACC championship game against Duke, I think when you had 29, that whole game, I think that was junior year when you guys just came up short. That to me was your coldest moment because that was like Bonzi's putting the team on his back, and oh, you guys almost got it like, done. What do you remember from like that game? Photo. I thought you meant like a photo of, or something. You're talking like a game. Yeah, that's one of them for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's the one. What do you remember from that game that year? Man, that was a it was a really solid year for us. I remember that game, there was a lot of ups and downs, and I think we were down um like a, a lot of the first half. And um I think I remember Grayson Allen had like a layup to end the half. We kind of had to regroup at halftime, and we came out saying, listen, we're going to give it our all, we're gonna, and we're going to, if we lose this game, we're going to come out swinging. So um, it was a emotional game. It was a lot of ups and downs, and I tried to do my best to, you know, not just me, but to will us to, to a victory. So I remember that game. You know, when I think of your career, you were here for some amazing moments in Notre Dame men's basketball history, right? The Elite Eight runs. You mentioned the game you just had there out uh, in the ACC tournament. What are the moments when you think back on your career that come to mind that uh, are most vivid and are the most special to you in your time at Notre Dame? Man, that's there's a lot. I mean, freshman, you're coming in as a freshman, and then obviously, like you said, win the ACC championship and then going to the Elite Eight. Um, and then doing it again in my sophomore year was special. Um, and I think it's every year we just was we were a family on and off the court. And, you know, I still talk to a lot of the guys uh, to this day. Um, but a special moment, I think, was when I played, I think, my junior year. We played Florida State. And we were home, and I had, that was my thousandth career point. And I had, like, that that put-back layup off of Steve's miss in the corner. And I, like, tipped the ball. I tipped it in, and, like, the crowd was going crazy. I think Dick Vitale was... Was come was uh, announcing the game, and it was a special moment. But that 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 stuck out for sure. The uh, the moment I wanted to ask you about too. You mentioned earlier the first year winning the ACC, then you guys were playing that Kentucky team, and you really pushed them. Like I really thought I've gone back and watched those highlights, yeah. and I'm like I, I really thought these guys were going to win this yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> and Jaron had that shot at the end. I was watching it last night, and you're on the bench, and you have an angle of it. You're kind of uh, just up the sideline a little bit. When he stepped back and let it go, was there any point where you thought, oh, my gosh, this might go in and we might go to the Final Four? Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
it wasn't a moment I didn't think we were going to lose that game. And, you know, Jaron led us throughout that whole year. So it was only right for him to, you know, to take that shot. And, you know, it was a tough shot. I, I think Willie Colleystein was guarding him. And Willie Colley yeah. was was picking up on 90, 90 feet and just sliding with him the whole way. And it was a tough shot, but, you know, you, you want your senior, Jaron, who led us, who was our one of our captains, to take the shot. And I was like, as it went up, I was like, okay, we I think we might be going to the Final Four, but obviously it came up short. But, uh, you know, that, that whole year was just so fun. It was uh, it was great. A lot of memories from that year. You know, the other year I wanted to ask you about was your senior year because I think what comes to mind is you had the injury. And you, that was the year you guys won Maui. Yep. You were top five in the country. Yep. Like, that was a team that I think could have made as good of a run, if not a deeper run, yep. if you guys stay healthy. What, what do you think about when you think about your senior year? Because you were coming off such a great junior season, and it never felt like you guys got to reach your potential. What comes to mind when you think of that season? Man, it was a, it was a, a resilient group that year. It was, it was tough for us, not only for myself, obviously missing a lot of my senior year, but thinking back on it, I think we had a lot of injuries. I know I remember Matt. Matt was hurt. Matt Farrell was hurt. I think DJ Harvey. No, was he gone? I think TJ Gibbs was hurt. I did. I remember we had a lot of injuries that year, and we had to always overcome something. And we still had guys, you know, coming ready to play uh, every night. But it was a it was a tough year for me. Obviously, missing my senior year after, um, you know. The the year I had my junior year coming back with my boy Matty Farrell trying to lead us to, you know, back to the lead eight, final four, trying to, you know, have a special year. So it was very tough, but I was trying to do what I can, um, you know, to help, you know, other guys, um, you know, be successful as best as I can. You know, it, it's hard to believe because that was 2017, 18. It's been more than five <laughs> years since then. Time yeah, flies. Exactly. Just... <laughs> For those that maybe haven't followed your career now that you're overseas, just take us through what you've done, really, let's say, since 2018 and where basketball has taken you around the world at this point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was with uh, the Bucks for a little bit um, throughout my first year, uh, my rookie year, uh, which was a great experience for me. Um, but then they got they uh, waived me, and then I came overseas. Um, I played with Daru Safaka in Istanbul, Turkey. Had a really good year, but that was also COVID year. And after that year, I was in Strasbourg, France, which was, you know, I think my best year as a pro. I won two MVPs. I was an MVP of the Basketball Champions League, and I also was an MVP of the French League. So that kind of was my stamp of me being a, you know, kind of a a, a solid, a really, a really solid uh, professional basketball player. And then from there, I went, I played with Kashiaka which is in Izmir, Turkey. I had a really solid year. And then ever since then, I've been with Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is in a yearly team. Um, you know, the best team in Israel, a very legendary club um, in Europe. Um, a lot of pros from the NBA have, have played with this team. And, um, you know, it's been it's been a great year. We went to the uh, – we won the Israeli League last year. Uh, we were the top eight. Last year as well, um, in the EuroLeague, losing to Monaco. So it's it's been great this year. It's been a little bit different with the war going on. Um, so we're currently in Belgrade, Serbia, playing without fans. So it's a little bit of a challenge. But at the end of the day, we, you know, myself and my teammates, we still get to do what we love and hoop. So I've had a, a blessed 
a blessing. I'm truly thankful for how I played as a pro, and I'm just trying to, you know, continue to do what I do, you know? It's amazing just to hear you lay it out, to see how much of the world you've seen yeah. because of basketball. I, I wanted to ask you coming into this too then, <laughs> having gone through that and gone through the last five years professionally, when you think back to your time at Notre Dame, what did the experience here do to set you up for that success? How has Notre Dame helped you as you've gone abroad and seen so many parts of the world and then had all the success you have had as a professional basketball player? Yeah, Notre Dame always has a, has had a special place in my heart. I mean, what they instill with you of just being a, a great guy on and off the court um, and just instilling principles that I live on to this day. So I've been forever thankful of being at Notre Dame. I still watched them here and there. Um, I still have that Notre Dame pride with me arguing with, you know, other college, really talented college basketball players that I've seen or that I've played against while I'm a pro, still saying we're the best no matter who I'm talking to. So it's it's been special, and I'm just thankful that Notre Dame kind of, not kind of, but they gave me that jump start to to really doing what I love, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. When was the last time you were back on campus? It's been a while. I think I went back when I was with the Bucks, maybe with Pat. Uh, it's been a while. Okay, it's it's been a minute. So maybe maybe before before twenty twenty before COVID. Yeah, way before COVID. Yeah. Dang. Okay. So I have an important question. I've been asking everybody that comes on this show, uh, and it's about the dining halls. I oh, need okay. you to tell me which dining hall is superior, North or South dining hall. North for sure. North. I mean, I was in Siegfried, so I was. See, this is the thing. North, I mean, I don't know how it is now, but back then we had the pasta making. You didn't have that at South. South, of course, was bigger. Everybody would go over there. But North, we had, you can make the pasta. You know, it just was different. It was, it was a different vibe there. And I think, you know, you know, and I'm, I was, went to, I lived in Siegfried, so I always was there, you know, a lot of the, you know, throughout my time there. So I'm always North. I'm I love that. Uh, uh, you, I think, graduated right around when they'd either just renovated it or just finished the renovation of North. But Old North is iconic. It is so good, like you said. The the pasta situation, yeah. it's so much better. It's South distracts people with the stained glass, and it looks really beautiful. Yeah, of course. But when you get down to the, the food operation, yeah. we're going to North every time. Yeah, the food was way better at North every time. And I've always stuck by North. I'm always stuck by North. This is years later, and I'm still seeing the same thing. Years later, I'll still stay red. When when you come back, we'll get you to North. Yeah, for sure. Uh, The last question I have for you before we take a quick break is just about this current team. Obviously, um, Coach Shrewsbury is in his first year here. I know you've had a chance to be in touch with him. Just what have your impressions been of Coach Shrewsbury? Around here, everyone's really excited about what he's done, just getting this program and getting some new young guys on campus. What excites you about the future under a new head coach here in South Bend? Yeah, I mean, I've contacted Shrewsbury a couple of times. First, congratulating him on, you know, being the head coach. I know it him, obviously. And then when they got their first one, I congratulated him. So we've been in contact here and there. And, you know, within the team, they they have a lot of grit within themselves. Uh, they play they play hard. Obviously, they're young, which is, which is okay at the moment. I mean, not at the moment, but which is okay. But, um, you know, guys playing – you know, every possession like it's their last. Their defense is, you know, very strong, which is important, which is, you know, you know, no matter what's going on in the offensive end, they always could bounce back on the defensive end. So, you know, that's a good identity that they have. And I heard that their practices are pretty tough too, you know, two-hour practices. So, 
you know, that's a little, a little bit different than what, you know, Coach Bray era. But, um, you know, I've heard nothing but good things. Obviously, he's he coached under with Brad Stevens, I believe. So he has a lot of um, knowledge from one of the a great coach in college basketball and in the NBA. So I see nothing but success for, for him in the, in the program. To, to your point, we've had uh, a couple of uh, players on the show so far this year, and they agree. The practices very hard so far to start the season. <laughs> I feel bad, man. I, I, that's something that I had to <laughs> get. Something... Not, I don't feel bad, but that's something I had to get used to being a pro because we didn't. With Coach Bray, we didn't practice longer than maybe two. And <laughs> so now I'm a pro, and we're doing two and a half, two, two and a half, going hard. So it was a big adjustment, but they'll be all right. All right, Bonzi, we're gonna take a quick break and then come back with our from the Irish segment. 80-degree game days are long gone, Irish fans. It's time to start thinking about tires, winter tires. Our friends at TireRack.com, presenting sponsor of Wake Up the Echoes, have what's right for you. Headquartered just a few minutes from Notre Dame Stadium, their experts know a thing or two about driving through winter's worst. They spend months on their test track and at the Compton Family Ice Arena collecting data so you can get the tires to tackle whatever comes next. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right, Bonzi, it's time for our From the Irish segment. It's presented by TireRack.com. We got a great question today. It's from Josh B. out of St. Louis, okay? He says, Notre Dame's first ever win at Cameron Indoor Stadium, you played a big role. 31 points and 11 rebounds against a top 10 Duke squad. What do you remember from that game, and where does it rank in your ACC memories? I remember that game, and the reason why I have such a strong memory of it is because Coach Bray, he didn't start me that game. So I remember being on the bench. And, you know, obviously, you know, you, I was starting a little bit, so I wanted to continue to start. I have nothing wrong with coming off the bench, but at this time, you know, so I remember I, like, tapped Coach Inglesby. And I was at Inglesby, I need to be, like, I need to be in this game right now. Like, I need to be in the game. Like, like, put me in, Coach. Like, that was my mentality. Put me in right now, Coach. So I was just out there. The environment was was amazing. It was it was just so fun to play in there, as everybody knows. And I was just ready to hoop. So that has a special place in my heart. Just be obviously how I played, and we won, and the environment, and who we played against, and you know the whole thing was just an amazing game. So I think that's probably one top top three for me, maybe one. I want to ask a follow-up then about Cameron Indoor because, as you said, it's it's an iconic venue. Uh, you were looking forward to playing in it. Describe to me what it's like to play there. Is there any other place you've played that's more spectacular than that? It just what is it like to be on the floor at Cameron Indoor Arena? It's amazing. I mean, the, the fans are right on. Like, they're right next to you when you play. I remember, you know, when Steve Vestoria was taking the ball out, you see all – you know, the the Duke, what are the crazy, what are they? The Cameron crazies, yeah. Were, yeah. Yeah, the Cameron crazies, their fingers were like touching his shoulders. So it's just amazing. It's, it's such a legendary historical program with so many pros um, that have gone through there and have been great NBA players. So you feel that energy. The fans talk smack to you. They know uh, where you're from, your mother, you know, if you had a girlfriend. They know that the fans all have like five, one to f- like f- about five, um, you know, things about you that they can talk trash about you. So it just it just motivates you a little bit, for sure. Bonzi, great to talk to you. Thanks for taking some time to join us on Wake Up the Echoes. We'll keep following you abroad. 
Uh, good luck with the rest of your professional career. And if you're back in South Bend, let me know. We're going to go to North Dining Hall, all right? Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Go Irish. That'll do it for this week's edition of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireRack.com. Thanks, as always, to head coach Micah Shrewsbury for stopping by, and thanks to Logan Imes, as well as assistant coach Mike Fairley, for the time as well. Big ups to Bonzi Colson. Appreciate him stopping by to relive some of the glory days. And don't forget, you can submit a question to our guests every week at fightingirish.com slash wake up. Please download, subscribe, drop us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we'll talk to you next week when women's basketball is back in the hot seat. We'll have Niel Ivy here on set on the next edition of Wake Up the Echoes. Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish presented by TireRack.com is also brought to you by Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour.